Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon, good morning Lyle, how's it going? Going great, Mon. Yeah, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful for lots of things today. Well, you can only have one, so pick one. Um... <laughs> While he's thinking, if you have something that you're grateful for, give us a text 0491-064-669. Tell us what you're grateful for. We love hearing your gratitude stories and and, occasionally we'll even share them online and on air and and, uh, and let everyone know in the gratitude and share the gratitude around. Okay, here's what I'm grateful for. I'm I'm grateful for games night with my son. Oh, oh, how sweet. Your younger one? My older one. Oh, your older one. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Board games. Yeah, because you, you guys have that whole empty nest thing happening, hey, don't you? Oh, we do? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Have, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, we've been having that happening now. <coughs> Ooh, when did I start empty nesting? I was probably about, what, 43, 44 when I started empty nesting? And you're now like 45, right? I wish. How old are you? 46. <laughs> Come on. About to turn funny. 47? Oh, you're about to turn 47 well, in March. Oh, a few months, in yeah. March. Yeah, a few yeah, 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 yeah. That's ages away, right? Ages away. Yeah, your youngest is actually leaving for quite a stretch, I think, next year. Isn't he going all the way up north to Kingscliff to do Bible? Is yeah, indeed. Go to Bible indeed. college. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Be the furthest away he's ever lived from you, right? That's right. Oh, quite a stretch. Anyway, you're listening to the delayed broadcast. There's going to be a bunch of things we're talking about on today's show that'll be out of date by the time that you listen to this mm. because... Because movements in Australia are happening so rapidly that uh, we just can't keep up with them all. And yeah. right now, as this show has been recorded, we are facing in Australia the greatest threat to religious liberty that Australia has ever faced since Federation. So we are recording this on Wednesday, the 5th of December. And you are not hearing about it in the mainstream news. Yeah. So if there ever was a reason to switch across to the live show, this really is one of the biggest ones. Um, you know, on Wednesday, the 5th of December, a, a major uh, issue was going through Parliament that we needed to be praying about, that we need to be um, campaigning about and by the time you actually hear this broadcast it'll all have been said and done so if there ever was a a moment for you to decide you know what this is the day that I'm actually going to switch across the live show today is the day to do it Uh, you can do it multiple ways download the tune in app search for Faith FM Australia go to our website faithfm.com.au you can press play on the live stream or better yet give us a call 1-800-FAITH-FM 1-800-324-843 and pester our producers to switch the, um, the broadcast in your area to the live show we are told that the final movements will be rapid ones and the only way that you can stay in touch with those is by having the live show so best of faith fm raise money in your local church switch over to the digital version do whatever you take it can take to get across to the live show where you can stay up to date with what is actually taking place in our world right now stay tuned guys back after this in my mind that say I'm not enough Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up Am I more than just the sum of every me once 
That was uh, Lauren Daigle with You Say here on Faith FM. And it's time for the first clue of the quiz. Yes, and I've decided, you know what, it's hump day. We need to uh, get some brain exercise happening to keep us on track. So I haven't really made this one an easy one. I'm not going to lie. Okay, bring okay. it on. Okay, it is Bring a, it on. It's we a are who am I it. quiz. It's a who am I quiz. You can take it. First, and, and by the way, if you get this before Lyle, 
I literally will send you two, two, two quiz prizes. So here we go. Who am I? I made Ish Bosheth king of all Israel. Lyle's looking confused. I just love that confused Lyle look. It's going to be one of my favorites ever. You have no idea who this is, do you, Lyle? Mm. <laughs> Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843 if you can tell me who made Ish Bosheth king of all Israel. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. There's two prizes yeah. out there. There's two prizes. <laughs> well. But I'm coming for you. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, sure you are. Absolutely. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm you, by the way, listeners, you're totally out to whip out your Bibles and do a quick Bible study and look it up and read. That's the whole point. Yeah. We want to get you studying yeah. your Bible in the morning. Yeah. Just don't do it while you're driving. Yeah, please don't. So whip out your concordance or, you know, go to the search function on your Bible app and, and look up Ish both. both sh- let me spell it for you. It's I S. Or ask the passenger or the hitchhiker in your car. <laughs> you know, like, hand, hand your hand your. You seem to assume so many people hit- are catching hitchhikers. This <laughs> well, well, hitchhikers. Yeah, you know, this is how it works, right? Uh, but hand, get your get your hitchhiker to pick up the phone in your car because you can't touch it yourself. Passenger. And uh, look up mm. the Bible app and go searching. Indeed. And they give us a call. Yeah, yeah. And we'll give a prize to the hitchhiker. Ah. And if you want to, uh, if you want to re-listen to any of the um, the clues, just head over to our Instagram page. It is Faith FM Live, all lowercase one word. And if you press on the profile page, you'll see um, our Insta story, which has the quiz for the day on there. There you go. I'm just, I'm probably going to sneeze any second now. Right, I can just so, feel so, it so coming my- on. <laughs> it's my sunburn cold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lyle. Yes. Let me tell you some amazing news. Some amazing. I've been wanting to tell you this since last week, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to let this story mellow for a little bit because I want to see what else comes out of it. So I'm sure. Have you heard of Hassan Al Kontar, the guy who's been living in an airport? Yeah, uh, in Thailand. Uh, no, 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 Malaysia. no, 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 Malaysia, Malaysia, yeah, Malaysia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have, don't remember the details. Okay, so this is an incredible story. So this was, uh, I feel so poorly for this guy. So he's a Syrian refugee, right? And uh, and he was one of the many Syrians who fled Syria, of course, um, as a means of escaping the war. Um, uh, he was it's origi- amazing how Syrian refugees come from Syria. But anyway. Yeah, <laughs> breaking news, Syrians <laughs> come from Syria. He, so he had originally been working as an insurance manager um, in the UAE. So he escaped um, the war and went over there to UAE, but they declined to renew his visa, right? Ooh. So he tried to stay in Malaysia, um, but an unexpected flight cancellation caused his three-month work permit to expire. Um, so he even then made it to Cambodia in a, in a bid to avoid d- deportation back to Syria, but he arrived at the country only to be sent back to Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. And, uh, and since leaving the airport, would result in his deportation. He had no choice but to live in the arrivals section until he found a country that would accept him. Like, it just boggles my mind that they have these rules that, that this happens. I'm, do you remember years and years ago a movie came out of the, about yeah, this? Yeah, and that yeah. was, a, it was a, a based on a true story. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Guy lived there for like The terminal, forever. I think it was. Yeah, it was crazy. And like, it just boggles my mind that it's now 2018 and this kind of stuff still happens. Like, There could be worse places to live. It's true. It's you've true. Got, uh, you've got shower and toilet facilities, um, provided that you can get food. Not all of them you have shower have, and toilet facilities. You do have a roof over your head. Uh-huh. Um, and so you are one step above you know, homeless people who are living on the street. It's true. If I had um, to choose between homelessness and living in an airport, I'd definitely live in an airport. You are restricted to the airport, which is a little bit like a prison, unlike a homeless person who can travel anywhere in the country that they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some pluses and minuses, and you do have to sleep under the lights. 
That's true, yeah. It would take be, a bit of getting used to. Yeah, yeah. That probably affect your um, sleep patterns after a while. I, I sleep in airports fairly regularly and, yeah. You have the capacity to sleep anywhere. You still don't get a good night's sleep if it's you're true. sleeping under lights. It's true, yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing I'm concerned about is, like, did this guy not really not get any fresh air and sunshine for seven months? Because he lived in that airport for seven months. It's just it's just incredible. Um but he, yeah, so he spent seven, he documented his life on social media. And I just, the other thing, like, there's no guarantee there's a shower, by the way. Sydney Airport has a shower and it's free, which is amazing. I've used it several times. Um, what do you call it? The Qatar Airport that I recently routed through. The only airport they have is at this day spa and it costs you 25 US dollars to use it. Ouch. So, yeah, which is quite a bit of money. Um, can you imagine like 25 US bucks every single day just to have a shower? You'd be like, once a week, That's maybe a once a ridiculous amount of money for yeah, a shower. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just crazy because Qatar Airport is such a like modern, sleek, like the brand spanking new building. It's just incredible. They didn't think to stick in free showers. They have smoking rooms everywhere. We can go have a cigarette and it stinks. Anyway, off topic. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Hassan, he began documenting uh, his life on social media and he amassed thousands and thousands of followers. And I, I love this little little bit here. So he, he took videos of himself tending to his potted plants, um, talking about his favorite books and movies and crocheting stuffed animals. <laughs> no, I, knew. I, How did, I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known there would be something about crocheting. Well, I'm so gutted I only heard about this guy after his story sort of, you know, wrapped up. Because if, if I had known that he was stuck there and doing this, I would have done something. I would have done something and definitely involving crochet. Um, and like, so he, he stuffed crocheted animals and they became his pets and he would amuse himself by taking the pet toys for a walk. <laughs> and uh, for exercise, he used the automated airport uh, walkway as a treadmill. Mm-hmm. And apparently no showers because he cleaned himself up in the bathrooms. Okay. So he had like a standing shower at the sink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Charlie bath. Um, he was given meals by compassionate airport workers. And uh, and all the while, of course, he, you know, he kept reiterating his, his longing for a country that would just accept him and, and give him a home. Meanwhile... On the other side of the planet, in uh, in Whistler, British Columbia in Canada, little old lady Laurie Cooper sees one of Hassan's videos and immediately feels compelled to help him out. So this is how the story went. I don't know if you heard this part. And she, you know, she's, she was interviewed later and she says, it just seemed impossible. Like I'm just you know, a little old lady who lives in a little log cabin and he was living in an airport on the other side of the planet. But she rallied uh, her fellow Whistler residents and um, and they started to to raise funds and resources for, to get him across and to get him to stay. So they raised over 20,000 US dollars, uh, Canadian dollars for his sponsorship and they found him a full-time job at the City Hotel. So got him employment because, you know, mm-hmm. that's one of the big things is yeah, to get yeah. employment and get mm-hmm. a letter of invitation. And Hassan lovingly calls them his Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> but then there was a little twist. So uh, just a little while back, there was a twist. Um, so while the Canadians were getting their stuff together, uh, he ended up being arrested uh, by the Malaysian authorities and he was being held in a detention centre, threatened with de- deportation, of course. And he was there for two months until, get this, like Laurie Cooper, she's just like lady on a mission. She gets the Canadian government involved. She hires a lawyer. <clears throat> and between the three parties, they quietly negotiated his release. Isn't that incredible? That's cool. <laughs> I love that the Canadian, That's cool. <clears throat> I love the Canadian government got involved. It really just helps their image. You know, they have a pretty um, you know, good image in terms of uh, how they treat their citizens and how they treat other people. So her sign was like, you know, he didn't believe it until they showed him the ticket. And he said, until he reaches Canada, nothing is sure. 
And so finally, after spending nine months without her ho- without a home, he landed in uh, Vancouver last week and uh, where Laurie and, and some of her mates were waiting for him and they gave him a huge hug and they welcomed him to Canada. And uh, he, he said, they, she said, I'm just so grateful that things worked out and that he, he's here and that he's safe. And of course, there was not a dry eye in the room and I had a hard time reading this article without... Um, keep my eyes dry but he's currently you're, staying you're, you are doing successfully uh, this morning th- yeah, thank you, you are thank not you. crying yeah, on air yeah, we don't have crying, yeah. sobs I can't look at the, the pictures too much because like they're all crying and I'm like don't look don't look mon <laughs> <laughs> so he's currently staying at Cooper's house um, you know there's a bed warm clothes everything's been donated by community members um, the whole community is sort of like aware that he's coming they're all excited that he's there so he's basically landed himself in a city of friends like they're all like woo this guy's coming and um I've been wanting to see how how he would how he would um, you know acclimatize to Canada. I've been wondering whether or not he once he's in Canada, he's got to try and leave and go somewhere else or something. But he said uh, he just recently tweeted uh, about twenty two hours ago. He tweeted, "Where there's a will, there's a way. If there's a chance in a million to do anything, something, just do it. The result is breathtaking. Trust me. Be in love with what you're doing. Believe in yourself and others. Let uh, fight for each other, not with each other." Canada is awesome, capital letters. <laughs> so, yeah, a really He's happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, no, no. I've been to the Middle East. I know what the temperatures are like there, and I've been to, I've been to, um, you Canada. Know, Thailand and those kind of areas as well. And I'm just thinking, and I've been to Canada. Well, two things. One, while he was stuck in the airport, he crocheted himself a lot of scarves. And second of all, a lot of people have donated warm Canadian clothing he's to gonna him. He's going to be needing them. So he's got, he's, there's pictures of him with all these new friends going Christmas tree shopping and all this kind of stuff in Canada. It's just such a heartwarming story. And uh, Whistler's, Whistler's kind of cold too. Yeah, that's true. Away, and I felt the pain of heartbreak, and I've seen the brighter days, and I've prayed prayers to heaven from my lowest place, and I have held your blessings, God, you give and take away. No matter what I have, your grace is Walking through 
You're listening to Torin Wells, Hills and Valleys here in on Faith FM, and we have another clue for our quiz. Mm, let's see if you let's can have it. Who am I? Uh-huh. Who am I? Clue number two. I brought David to King Saul after he had killed Goliath. You still confused, Lyle? He's still confused. <laughs> He's still confused. Give us a call if you know the answer. 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. He's writing something down. He's writing something down. He is correct. Got it. Nailed it. Gone. <laughs> quiz is over. No, it's not. <laughs> no, the quiz is not over. Okay, but two prizes are over. Yes, now that's just one. All right, so coming up in today's news, we're going to be talking about, and uh, this is going to be something we're going to be featuring as much as we can over the next uh, day or so, is the issue of religious liberty here in Australia, which is facing the greatest threat that it's ever faced since Federation, um, and particularly in Parliament today, where um, opposition uh, Senator Penny Wong is introducing uh, legislation to Parliament that will strip religious uh, rights from churches and schools, um, that will restrict the um, ability to be able to teach um, or preach uh, religion re- for certain religious beliefs in schools mm. or, or churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a very, very serious thing that is going before the Senate today. It is amazing how quickly this has gone through. Uh, it's an attempt to slip it through, obviously, before the, uh, you know, just as a, as a rush thing at the end of the year. Of course, the government wants to get, you know, some social legislation passed. At, at, before the year finishes um, so that it can make them look good and uh, something we need to be praying about today and we're going to be talking soon to Mark Spencer from Australian Christian Schools who's in Canberra right now. He's currently at Parliament House. We'll be speaking to him from Parliament House uh, where this is all taking place today and um, <laughs> a little bit later I'm going to be talking to um, lawyer Mark Snedden on this issue as well. Hopefully I'll be able to bring you that interview today. If not, then uh, probably tomorrow uh, bring you that particular interview. But those are the those are the very big and very serious issues that we are facing right now. And, uh, of course, this is a, a natural progression from last year's um, vote on same-sex marriage. Uh, the vote was, you know, was very clearly a vote on religious liberty and an attempt to curb religious liberty. And what we're facing now is um, is legislation that is very akin to, you know, Eastern Bloc, totalitarian governments, communist governments, extreme left governments in Europe during the, um, you know, the, the Cold War era and very similar to what you get in, in, in say, China or somewhere that like that where, you know, the ability to be able to preach and teach the Bible is severely restricted. But anyway, it's basically a step backwards for Australia of of monumental proportions. Yeah, just huge. It's you know, this huge. is this is of prophetic pro- proportions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is the kind of thing that you know we've been talking about for a very you know those who are students of Bible prophecy have been talking about this for a very very long time, and been labelled as conspiracy theorists because we have been suggesting that this could even be possible in Australia, and here you've got it happening so fast. The most of us it had no idea and no time to even react. Yeah, you know, if we'd have, we'd have, if we'd have known what was going on, we could have, you know, 
had an impact on this decision. We could have been lobbying, you know, the various politicians and so forth in defense of religious liberty, but we have not had that opportunity uh, because it's just been, you know, it's, it's, it's been rushed through and the tactics that are being used to push it through, you know, it's, they've created this smokescreen built around the narrative of gay students being expelled from schools, which has never happened. Never. It's a complete red herring. And... Uh, in changing the legislation so that, that can't happen, and of course, you know, none of us want that to happen, they have just brought in a whole raft of changes to the legislation that would, um, yeah, make free exercise of religion impossible in Australia. Which is just crazy because we, we don't even have religious liberty and they're already taking away whatever promise we might have had of it. Religious liberty has been assumed in Australia for absolutely. so long. Absolutely, absolutely. It, you know, since Federation, it has been an assumption. But this is the danger of living under assumption where you don't have a Bill of Rights, you don't have uh, you know, a, a constitution like they have in the United States. And uh, we do have that great danger of uh, our religious liberty being stripped away today. Mm. And, of course, this is just you know, another step down that slippery slope. Um, we know where it's going to head because we know Bible prophecy and Bible prophecy is very, very clear that religious liberty will be taken away from, you know, our Western countries. But uh, it's just, it's quite chilling to see the way that it could happen so very, very quickly. Let's pray that it doesn't happen today. Something we really need to uh, to, to keep in our prayers. Anyway, there's a couple of other stories that um, are sort of hitting the news this morning. Uh, new studies coming out. Um <clears throat> new research stating that exercise reduces frailty, which in my opinion is an exercise in researching the obvious. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? <laughs> yes. The, so the British Journal of General Practitioners um, researching uh, 15,000 people over a large number of different studies have noted that one in 10 people 65 years or older are frail, and 65 is pretty young to be frail. Yes, true. Uh, five in 10 people over 80 years of age are considered to be frail. And they noted a number of different factors that were significant in reducing frailty. Um, exercise, health education, nutritional supplements, home visits, um, hormones, hormone supplements and counselling. And by a very, very wide margin, exercise comes out on top and people in the age bracket that we are speaking about here, if they want to avoid frailty, or if you want to avoid frailty right now, you know, you're looking to the future, Mon, and you're saying, yep, one day uh, I plan to age, then you need to be spending at least 25 minutes a day, four days a week doing um, exercise, exercising your, your, your muscles. Well, I follow um, Anne Evers. Have you heard of Anne Evers? No. She's, um, I follow her on Instagram, and she is 97 years old. Oh, you've talked she, about yeah, her before. We talked, yeah, we mentioned her before. She went, she went vegan. She went plant-based three weeks before her 96th birthday. So she's been vegan for about a year. And since she's- So an old person can learn new and, tricks. Yeah. And you know what? The health benefits have just been amazing for her. So she went plant-based. She was feeling so much better that she decided to incorporate regular exercise into her daily schedule. And so she has, uh, she has a personal trainer who comes in and does, you know, 
uh, exercise for the elderly, basically. Mm-hmm. And she, she just watching her because she puts videos up on her on her Instagram. I think her granddaughter puts the videos up on her Instagram. But it's just incredible because she's gone from needing a to have one of those mechanical electronic beds that sort of gets you out of bed for you, like you know, folds up and puts you in the upright position. She can now lie on the ground and get back up all by herself, which doesn't sound like much to like you know you and me, but for someone who's ninety seven years old, that's par- fantastic. Apparently, very difficult and just incredible progress. And to yeah. be making that progress in your nineties, in your late nineties, mind blowing. So yeah, the expiring. Ex- yeah, so she puts up, I think, like an exercise video almost every day, and it's just the best thing to watch. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. Good on her. Yeah, check her out, Anne Evers. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's amazing. All right. So uh, the other thing that was interesting uh, coming through in, the, in today's news was a report on um, on what has been the most successful way of rehabilitating uh, Islamic extremists in prisons. Oh, we touched on this yesterday, didn't we? Yeah. Well, this is a new report that uh, has just come through. And guess what the best way of rehabilitating Islamic extremists turns out to be? What? Religion. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought you were say something like friends being, being mates with them or something. So across New South Wales, we have, um, we have four um, Islamic chaplains. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they go out to, uh, you know, the various prisons that are around the place um, to, you know, have religious discussions with, with a lot of these young people that have been incarcerated and to, uh, and to get them back into prayer and th- things like this. Uh, they talk about forgiveness and prayer, and they provide them with prayer mats and books. Um, they, uh, you know, happy to discuss anything, total non- non-judgmental approach, and they're having remarkable success in rehabilitating a lot of these guys who have been radicalized within their religion. So maybe teaching them how, you know, they don't, they don't have to be radicals to be within the Exactly, religion. teaching yeah. them non-violence, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. because religion should be all about non-violence. Yeah, Christianity should be about, about non-violence, yeah. and so often it is not. Islam should be about non-violence, and so often it is not. And one of the challenges, of course, is that you get a bunch of these young guys uh, all incarcerated together, and they, they're all radical, and they just radicalize each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is one way of being able to actually combat that. It was a very controversial move to allow um, Islamic chaplains into prisons, but it has turned out to be very, very successful. Um, and so, yeah, it's, a, uh, it's, it's just one of those – a good news story coming out today. Anyway, this is Ali and Layton.
Guys, that was Ali and Leighton with Hire here on Faith FM. Mon, have you got another a, uh, another quick clue for the quiz? I do, rather. Clue number three. Who am I? In vengeance, Joab killed me. Mm, okay. Who was that? If you know the answer, you know what our number is. 1-800-324-843. Joining me on the phone this morning from Canberra, from Parliament House, is Mark Spencer from Australian Christian Schools. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks for having me, Lyle. Now, Mark, we're facing some very serious issues in relationship to religious liberty today. Um, I would possibly say that the greatest threat to religious liberty that we've had in Australia since Federation, would that be a fair assumption? 
I'm not old enough to know what it was like in the early days of Federation, but certainly in, in my uh, time in Christian schools in the last 30 odd years, this is probably the, uh, the greatest challenge we've faced. Um, and it's a very different challenge to the ones we've faced previously as well. So it's part of the issue. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Now, this is all based around, you know, and what we've been hearing in the media is uh, legislation that will disallow schools from expelling students based on their sexual orientation. Now, you know, this is, a, in my opinion, a, a, a total red herring because no schools are doing this and it's not so much um, you know the issue of disallowing schools from expelling students based on sexual orientation that is the problem because you know it, it's the things that have been added to that can you actually share with us um, how far the proposed legislation is going in in the way that it will affect religious education in this country yeah and, and you're exactly right there this is a this is a campaign built on a lie uh, it was a deliberate strategy, leaked uh, some of the, the expert panel reports, recommendations, a confected outrage around basically a lie. Let's just be very clear about this. Christian schools, other faith-based schools around Australia, as far as we're aware, um, we're not expelling uh, students basically based on their sexual orientation or gender identity. We're caring for students. We never want, we never have done that, never want that, never want the right to do that. Yeah, that's never happened. I, mean, the, I went through a Christian school yeah. myself, you know, back in the 1980s and there were, you know, openly gay students there and, and nobody, you know, blinked an eyelid at it. Yeah. Well, obviously, we don't think that's God's best plan for them and, and we'll work with them and, and share that with them. We have to be honest about who we are and what we believe as well. Absolutely. But that's, that's, that, that's what you sign up with, with a, with a face-based school. You sign up with a school and our schools are very open, very overt about who we are, what we're about and what we teach. Happy to be be that, and and people come to that. People are choosing to come to our schools. There are other choices. So, so what this um, what the proposals do, and this is partly a problem in the nature of the way that the law is structured. We've got very broad uh, anti discrimination provisions, and then to make these bits of legislation work, there's all these exemptions, um, you know, a, a whole range of exemptions across a number of different things. Now, to be able to work in, in political offices, sometimes sport, um, in, in superannuation insurance, a wide range of, of uh, different exemptions and exceptions to make the legislation work because it's just drafted so broadly. Sure. So at the moment, the, they are our protections for religious freedom in this space. It's not a form of protection that we like and, and think it's the best and we think there are better ways of doing it. And yeah, so an exemption is not exactly strong protection. No, it's not, not strong. It's, it's almost like saying, well, we don't really think you should be doing this at all, but we'll kind of grudgingly let you do it you know, just because we're nice folk. But what we've really got at stake here is fundamental human rights. We've got the, the fundamental human right of equality and non-discrimination, and that's, that's based on the whole biblical notion that you know God created man and women, created them equal, created everyone equal, and, and ordained with that you know innate godness in them, that the imagio dei that everyone has, that dignity that comes from being created in the image of God. That's that that's an equality principle. We've also got the principle of religious freedom, one of the oldest human rights. It's it's core. It's at the centre of um, uh, the international human rights framework. Uh, the High Court here in Australia described as the essence of a free society, that ability to think and believe and act on those beliefs that are you know, so core to who we are. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how does this, how does this new legislation actually threaten uh, religious belief and, and, and practice and, and teaching of yeah. religious uh, subjects? 
Yeah. So the way the, legislate, the, the proposed amendments work is that they would remove our exemption in, in relation to the provision of education. Mm-hmm. And that obviously deals with admitting students, expelling students, those issues, but also subjecting them to any other detriment. And that's, that's the problem clause. Uh, and already through this debate, we've had it suggested to us that even having a discussion or for us to be able to teach a, uh, you know, a, a curriculum in, in you know, some of these health and personal development subjects that isn't affirming of uh, someone's lifestyle, someone's sexual orientation, someone's gender identity, that would be a detriment. That's, that's been put to us in this debate. Okay, so on so that logic, yeah, yeah, go ahead. We can't. We're not not be able to teach what what we believe fundamentally. That's that's the essence of this. Yeah. So I see two things jumping out here. First of all, you've got this issue of any other detriment, and I'd like to know what the definition for that is. Um, how do you actually define any other detriment? Um, because that can really be defined by well, this you know I didn't like what was said. Um, and 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 then you know the, the second thing that comes to my mind is that you know basic principles. Of religion, of of most religions, or and particularly of Christianity. If we look at Christianity, say say Ten Commandments, say your Seventh Commandment, Thou shalt not commit adultery. You know, if we teach that in a school, and there is a student there who feels that the teaching of that particular commandment is a detriment to them, does that then mean that we are in trouble? That, our advice is we could well be. Um, okay, so and, you know, and, and Ten Commandments, you know, there's lots of schools and churches that have the Ten Commandments on their walls, you know, um, and, and suddenly that could all be out the window today. That could be actually happen today. Um, if the legislation passes and, and uh, it all goes through, that's exactly the sort of thing that, that many people are concerned of. Um, the sort of uh, uh, end product of this, uh, if you look at, at what has been happening around the Safe Schools Coalition materials and those sort of programs that, that were very affirming of a particular view of sexuality and sexual conduct. Now, are we going to be forced to, to, to follow those sort of programs in faith-based schools, despite the fact we absolutely don't, uh, don't agree with many of the, the things that it talks about? Yes. Uh, because we have to be ensuring that we you know, don't subject anyone to any detriment. Uh, and detriment, as you say, is a very, very wide phrase. Yeah, that's that's actually quite terrifying. I mean, when I look at the safe schools uh, curriculum, it's like the most unsafe thing that um, I've ever seen. It's like, it's like grooming kids for um, all kinds of uh, you know, disastrous lifestyles. But anyway, that's a, that's a, an, another story that we could probably talk about at some other time. Um, now, let me let me just how broadly does the legislation approach education? Because education is a broad subject. Um, education, we typically think of schools, but what about Sunday schools or you know um, you know that kind of thing? Because we use the word school in relationship to a, what a, a, a lot of what we do at church during our worship hour. Would the legislation affect that as well? Well, you might want to ask your pastor on Sunday whether he believes that his sermon is education and training, because that, that's yeah. the phrase in the act. Yeah, exactly. um, right. And, and that's, you know, do, do we think that that's what's really been been intended here? No, we, we, we don't think that the government or the opposition are, are really wanting to stop pastors preaching from the pulpit on Sunday, but... Um, all it takes is, is one advocate, one activist to, to go out there and, and make that sort of claim. And we're going to be finding ourselves before courts or tribunals having that 
very argument potentially. Yeah, and having um, that, all of the stress and the money that's involved in you know fighting that through the courts, and you know I've seen instances where you know even if people do win, it ends their it ends their ministry, it ends their career because of you know everything that's involved with it. Yeah. So the, the advice we've had is that you know, the way that the provision of education is defined in, in the Sex Discrimination Act, it, it's uh, any institution that provides educational training, which again is a very broad term. Um, they're intended to be very broad catch-all terms, and that could potentially uh, include um, you know, religious bodies on Sunday, uh, providing certainly any sort of structured Sunday school, be it uh, for children or adults or any other structured training. There are exemptions for training leading to the ordination of, of uh, priests and ministers, but that's only a, a very narrow uh, scope of, of the sort of broad educative purposes that happens in churches and and not just churches, mosques, temples, um, synagogues all over uh, Australia. And that's an important point because if we're going to stand for religious liberty, we need to defend the religious liberty of all faiths, not just our own. That's the whole principle of religious liberty, isn't it? And if we're going to be a tolerant society, that actually means you're, you'd be tolerating except those who you may not uh, agree with. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean part of the issue, if, uh, when you look at it in, in the way international law does, it, it makes a balancing of when you've got rights um, at play. So you know, the, the right of uh, a student to, to come to one of our schools, what we're looking at according to some of the evidence to the Senate committee was, you know, it's probably only a... a five ten percent of, of schools who who would have a, a really strong position on this and want to ensure that we can still teach in in this way um you know that, that still leaves nine percent of other other schools that, that people can choose to go to mm. so we're, we're talking about an ideologically driven totalitarian approach where everyone has to accept a particular view of the world and no dissent can be tolerated. It almost feels like we're uh, living in uh, communist China right now all of a sudden. Um, now, just walk me through very quickly um, what happened with this on Monday because we expected all this through to, to go through on Monday, but that didn't happen. What took place there? So on, on Monday, there was a whole lot of uh, procedural shenanigans, as, as it's technically told, called, uh, in the Senate. And uh, there was a an urgency motion with a, a deadline for a vote on this in the Senate of, of uh, 12.35, oh, sorry, um, 1.50 on Monday. Uh, the the government with uh, the Centre Alliance senators uh, voted uh, against that uh, and, and removed that deadline because the Centre Alliance, Centre Alliance senators considered they wanted more time. It seems that um, the next 24 hours was enough because on Tuesday they, they indicated they reached a position and, and um, it was uh, yesterday uh, another time limit was put on the bill. So we're going to have about, uh, I think it ends up being about four or five hours in total uh, of, of debate on this matter in the Senate before it goes to a vote at 12.35 today. Yeah, it almost, and, and this is the other thing that has shocked me is the lightning speed with it, with which this has all taken place. It's caught so many of us off guard. Why is it being pushed through so quickly? It's been pushed through so quickly because, uh, I mean, the Prime Minister did, did make a, a promise, and, and at the time it seemed a very sensible one to, to ensure that, that no a student could be expelled from a, a non-state school. And, and that, you know, in, in, this, in the simplistic uh, way of media releases, that seemed to be a sensible thing to say. 
the, the detail is far more complicated and far more complex, and that's that's um, been the problem. We've had all these unintended consequences, and we have had you know the, the advice that we've received and others have received saying it's got far broader consequences than they they first imagined. And uh, trying to get to, you know, what we would hope for was a bipartisan position on this, so we could actually have uh, sensible protections making sure that uh, there wasn't concern amongst the uh, LGBT students across schools in Australia, but also the protected religious freedom. Um, and unfortunately, what I've got seems to be the horse trading of human rights um, in a very, very compressed time frame. Sure. Now, you know, obviously, uh, and this brings up an important issue with, you know, a bipartisan, uh, you know, a push for a bipartisan agreement, which, you know, we would all like to see. Uh, that's not what has taken place. Um, the, the the question that then comes to mind is, you know, if we have a change of government in the next few months, could everything that is, you know, even if even if it does go in a positive direction today, could that all be undone in a few months' time? Uh, the parliament can do. The parliament can undo. Um, and part of the problem fundamentally here is we haven't seen the uh, report from the expert panel on religious freedom. Yeah, this I mean, is the, Philip, had, the Philip Ruddock uh, report. Yeah, well, it wasn't just Philip. It was actually some of Australia's leading jurists. The president of the Australian Human Rights Commission, uh, Rosalyn Croucher, was on the panel. Um, former federal court judge, some uh, really well-qualified academics and, and jurists. And it was actually an expert panel. Mm. Um, you know, they, they looked at over 15,500 submissions consulted across the country for, for nearly a year and provide a report with some recommendations. And we haven't seen but it. Why haven't we seen that? Uh, you might want to uh, ask the Prime Minister and Attorney General when you get them on the program. Um, we don't know. Sure, sure. That's something we, uh, yeah, we definitely want to, what, what is actually going on here uh, with that? Now, uh, very quickly, what are you expecting to take place today? Uh, ask me at 12.35 and I'll tell you what happened. Uh, it, it really is, is very fluid. Um, sure. up, up through last night, we know there was negotiations going on. Um, we, you know, we are hopeful that, that there will be, as we come up to, you know, in the shadow of Christmas, uh, the spirit of peace and, and joy across the earth. We mm-hmm. hope there will be mm-hmm. some peace and joy, some bipartisanship, some some sensible, wise heads prevailing in in the, the respective party rooms and a, a coherent, principled-based decision around this. Um, so we're not just horse trading human rights, which is an appalling outcome. Yeah, yep. And at this eleventh hour, is there anything anything we can uh, actually do in a in, in a very real way? Um, the simplest thing and the best thing is to pray. Absolutely. Um, we we just need uh, God's intervention at this time. Yep. There has been a lot of uh, calls going into MPs' offices, senators' offices, particularly. Um, they're now sort of hunkering down and, and just uh, focusing on the, on the debate today. So really praying is the best thing we can do um, and it always always is the best thing we can do. Mark Spencer, thank you so much for joining us this morning. That was uh, Mark Spencer from uh, Parliament House right now where there are um, where it's all taking place as far as religious liberty happens and uh, I think that his advice is the very best advice that um, that anybody can give at this point and that is let's take this to God in prayer let's make it a day of prayer for religious liberty here in Australia we need to move on this is Anthem Lights with Doxology Praise God from whom all blessings flow Praise Him all creatures here below Pray. 
Place where the 
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.